Hello and welcome to DigFinVox, Voices in Digital Finance. I'm your host, Jane DiBiazio. Before we get into the program, if you like it, please give us a like, share, subscribe to the channel. All of these things help bring more audience to what we're doing at DigFinVox, so that's appreciated. This is a special edition because I'm almost interviewing myself on this one. My guest today is Charles Dossie, who is the Managing Director at Consensus for Asia Pacific. And he is also co-author of a new book called Block Kong, which is a profile of leaders in Hong Kong's blockchain ecosystem. I'm the co-author. We're going to talk about the book, what inspired it, why Hong Kong, why is Hong Kong interesting for blockchain, what's going on here, both at the regulatory level and at the enterprise level. And finally, what's next? Charles, congratulations on the book. I congratulations. See you're yeah, congratulations to both of us. I, I see you're wearing your, your Block Kong shirt. You want to show that? Absolutely. Yes, okay. yes. all right. Block Kong, uh, the red t-shirt is here. Okay, bravo. Join us, join us okay. and become, uh, join us and become a, a Block Kong insider. Yes, okay. Available in Chinese and also in English. So okay. double happiness. Great, double happiness, fantastic. You know, you've been engaged in the fintech and the, the blockchain community in Hong Kong for quite a few years now. Uh, what, why this book now? Uh, what is the main message that you want to get out to, to, to the world, really? So maybe some history and some background. So when I was with the Hong Kong government uh, as head of fintech, part of Invest Hong Kong, right, I got to meet uh, really a lot of people from various uh, fintech verticals. And I met uh, during my stay with the government, a lot of people from the blockchain industry. And I was really impressed and inspired uh, by the people from this industry, uh, their personal journey, where they were coming from, and uh, how this uh, new kind of uh, uh, industry of blockchain was kind of a magnet for a lot of talents and a lot of different uh, life, uh, life stories. So I really wanted to cover this at some point in time. Within my stay at the government, I was not, it was not the right setup to kind of write about the people uh, we were uh, interacting with. Uh, but after leaving, I was really thinking, okay, we need to cover and document this ecosystem and document the people of this ecosystem. So uh, the insider story is I came to you and uh, we, had, uh, we had an interview at the time uh, to your office in Shamwan. And um, on our way back to take a picture and, and grab a coffee, you told me that Charles, your, your book story is, uh, is a really exciting one, but why don't we work on this together and, and try to, to kind of support each other on this one. And I, I really love the idea. I think it's, uh, you really brought on the table this initial thoughts of uh, 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 co-designing as this book together with you. So I'm very grateful. Uh, it has been a long journey. You've been super patient, uh, but we are very, uh, very happy with the result and uh, super happy to cover this, uh, this 21 uh, entrepreneurs uh, in blockchain in Hong Kong. So that's really why, why I wanted to document. And I wanted to also make sure that the Hong Kong people feel uh, proud of their ecosystem. Uh, sometimes we, we tend to look outside always and thinking uh, there is a, a greener a grass on the, on the other field. Uh, so I wanted the world to know about Hong Kong and I wanted the Hong Kong uh, entrepreneurs and, and, and Hong Kong citizens uh, to be proud and aware of uh, all the, the good action and, and great entrepreneurs there is uh, here in the city. What makes Hong Kong's blockchain ecosystem stand out 
or distinct compared to what you would find in Singapore, Australia, USA, France, mainland China? I think the ecosystem started very, 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 very early on here. Uh, so if you look at one of the story covering the Bitcoin Association um, uh, and all the meetup history, you find that the, the, the people started to gather uh, around the topic very early on. Uh, so there was a very early appetite. I think uh, Hong Kong has spotted this technology early on. And then there is this mix, uh, which is really nat natively embedded in Hong Kong, of entrepreneurs from mainland China, native Hong Kong entrepreneurs, as well as entrepreneurs from overseas coming in and, and, and kind of uh, 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 growing into the ecosystem. And this mix really brought very early on a lot of different directions to help the ecosystem of blockchain grow stronger. Mm -hmm. Something which is important to, to capture also is uh, the early uh, use cases of this blockchain technology are mostly around uh, financial use case. And obviously, Hong Kong is an international financial center. So there is a mix of entrepreneur spirit, but also a very deep uh, pool of financial talents. Should it be in the capital market side? Should it be uh, in, the, in the brokerage or, or payment industry? So a, a lot of people were early on um, kind of exposed to the technology. And they came with different backgrounds, but with a lot of uh, uh, knowledge in the industry overall. So that's why it has accelerated uh, massively here in Hong Kong early on. And if you look today at the, at the world of, uh, of blockchain and digital assets, uh, you will quickly realize through the book and through some of the articles you cover at Ditchfin that really Hong Kong is a, a blockchain capital of the world. Yeah, I mean, on the finance side, it's, it's not just that there's a lot of financial stuff in Hong Kong. I think it's also the, the nature of the, the culture here, which has always been, you know, we're an equities center. Uh, it's, it's a risk-taking kind of city. Tell us a little bit about some of the other sort of non-finance people that you talk to. You, you get uh, covered in the book, uh, people from the media industry like, uh, like Angie Lau, uh, which left Bloomberg where she was a TV anchor to start her own uh, media media boutique focusing only on digital asset and, uh, and blockchain. So that's one example where where, where the, the, the industry is pulling different people, not, not only from the speculation side of things. Uh, I'm thinking also of uh, Patrice Pujol, uh, which is from the, the, the movie industry and which was uh, which is building this platform to tokenize movies and uh, help the, the overall ecosystem of the of the uh, of the movie industry to uh, to use blockchain to collaborate uh, in, a, in a more efficient manner. Uh, the, the guys from uh, Four Ball uh, here in Hong Kong on the Kowloon side uh, are building this um, uh, kind of uh, social media powered by blockchain uh, with use cases which are far away from finance purely. Uh, Yatsu uh, is also uh, the, our NFT uh, champion. Uh, from early on, he really built an, uh, this uh, mobile games expertise over the years and early on captured the value proposition of blockchain he was, uh, and he is really a, a global leader in this industry, uh, tokenizing digital assets, but in a, in a video game uh, kind of context. So there is a very large variety of, of profiles, and that's really what is, uh, what is interesting. And we try to, to balance uh, the, uh, the, ecosystem, uh, the ecosystem there. What is the overlap between what you're doing at Consensus and what you encountered in, in, in Hong Kong in particular? Sure. So... At Consensus, we really focus on the uh, enterprise uh, software uh, infrastructure. So we are servicing uh, people like the Hong Kong Monetary Authority on CBDC projects, 
uh, we are helping banks with their uh, their payment uh, uh, new infrastructure around stable coins uh, there is also conversations uh, with uh, with a new kind of fintech services leveraging stable coins digital identities uh, there is a covid data wallet which will be soon announced also here in the city so a lot of topics are, are happening and i guess the, the role of consensus being a five years old company uh, in this ecosystem which is uh, which is almost five years old we've been uh, we've been embedded into the ecosystem from from day one uh, is really to look obviously at uh, some commercial opportunities but we have a, a very strong engagement with the developers uh, bringing uh, free tools and open source tools uh, for companies startups uh, and, uh, and and various universities to start to to play with uh, with the industry and that's where we try to be uh, to balance ourselves between uh, obviously a commercial agenda but also growing the ecosystem as we did working with different uh, uh, communities and uh, really enabling uh, enabling the, the technology the technology community here how far are we from right now today's world where people are trading these things but it's very circular right you're really just trading one coin for another coin but there's not like an underlying revenue stream or an underlying business that's creating cash flow and and and, and stuff that these things are on top of how do we get from where we are today to a point where these things are actually money uh, and and it, it, you know it, it's it's embedded in in real life uh, you see big uh, big networks such as visa starting to use uh, the technology of ethereum uh, for the settlement of the, some of their transactions cbdc's are uh, blockchain technologies they are digital assets they are in the case of hong kong uh, uh, hong kong dollars uh, issued by the by the by the hkma on a, on a on a blockchain so it's it's still uh, it still have some work to do before it it's as a consumers like you and me but if you think about it when cbdc's will will be implemented and we are really on the verge of it uh, the full financial ecosystem and the full financial food chain if i if i can say so will really be uh, embedding uh, this uh, digital asset and blockchain technology and most probably you will be starting using blockchain without even realizing uh, we see that in the mobile uh, mobile gaming world where people will play a game and exchange some digital asset the technology is underlying is there uh, but the experience for the user is designed in a way that it's uh, the onboarding is extremely smooth and uh, and uh, people don't realize that blockchain is being used on this uh, uh, on this kind of uh, of use cases so there is still uh, i think the, the the press and the overall public uh, focuses on the speculative side of the technology because there is big numbers and, and big action, but there is as, as big a number and, and action happening in the enterprise side and the government side. We see that in China with this, uh, with blockchain being at the at the heart of the uh, of the of the planning uh, from the Beijing government. So there is a lot of things which will come, but they will not come as a, a speculative aspect, and uh, and they will be embedded uh, very smoothly into our everyday life. So it's uh, it's not a matter of uh, if anymore. It's really when. And uh, if you are in the mobile gaming world, uh, you're already um, playing with, uh, with, uh, with digital assets. And uh, in the payment world, either directly or indirectly, uh, your payments uh, are uh, slowly but surely migrating to this new infrastructure. What is the significance of the CBDC projects that are going on, particularly in Hong Kong? What's special about what the HKMA is doing here and the way it's working with, with other central banks? 
Absolutely. So this um, HKMA project uh, initially called uh, Internon Lion Rock was a project uh, developed early on. And we, we have to be grateful for the HKMA to be very proactive on this topic for, for some time. Uh, and this project was developed early on between uh, the HKMA and, uh, and Bank of Thailand. And uh, recently, a few weeks ago, uh, the project has been essentially expanding uh, in terms of participants. Uh, so you now have the digital currency uh, Institute from the PBOC, part of the project. Uh, BIS, uh, via its uh, innovation hub here in Hong Kong, is also part of the project. Right, the bank of the central banks of, uh, of, uh, of UAE. So what is very particular about this project, if you look at the, at the history and the, and the number of projects on CBDCs by central banks, most of them today are very much working in a way, in a, in a silo, focusing on their domestic market use. And I think where Hong Kong is once again um, uh, looking, for, looking, uh, looking ahead and, uh, and getting some, uh, some, some early moves is starting to collaborate with those central banks and getting this cross-border uh, use case of CBDCs really to another scale. And if what, look, what is that use case, Charles? I mean, what, what do we need a cross-border CBDC for? Absolutely. So if you look at the, uh, the existing, uh, the existing infra uh, infrastructure for cross-border payments, they rely on banks, they rely on, on the messaging system between banks to move money uh, across border. So that's why your, uh, your, uh, your, your transfer of, uh, or your payment cross-border takes time and also costs uh, you uh, a certain amount of fees. And what this project is doing, uh, the project is named now MCBDC Bridge for multiple CBDC Bridge. It's essentially building a collaboration platform, which is a blockchain-based platform, where the central banks and the commercial banks from various countries uh, can basically sit on the same infrastructure. It's a high-performance infrastructure where they can mint and exchange and, uh, and, uh, and transfer uh, CBDCs of their respective currencies uh, among themselves in a very efficient and immediate manner. So it really helps um, building some kind of new trading peers, uh, pairs uh, between uh, between uh, between uh, foreign currencies via CBDCs and also accelerating uh, all the all the the transactions between these different players because they come and meet into this shared platform. What are the what are the challenges uh, of, of the challenge of, of this multiple CBDC bridge? Is it technical? Uh, is it just design? Uh, and, and being careful about what that is, uh, or is it just getting all these different entities to have, you know, to decide that they agree on what is the goal and I guess then broader adoption? What, what's the biggest hurdle here? The, the, biggest, the biggest item, I guess, the participants are spending time on is really designing the product because there is so many um, uh, features possible uh, which you need to implement in an in a, in a orderly manner. Uh, so designing the product is, is very important in terms of rollout uh, roll of, of features, uh, but also the governance of such uh, shared infrastructure. And if you think of it, uh, it's, uh, it's a very ambitious project. This is infrastructure which is being shared between different uh, central banks and, and commercial banks. So the governance is something where people are, are, are spending time. And in a way, it's some kind of new topics also. The, uh, until then, you've seen the not so many um, shared platform built between uh, between different countries. So there is new questions. There is uh, new kind of setup and governance systems being being put in place. The technology is there. The technology is mature. Uh, it's about 
product design and governance, uh, which, uh, which, uh, which takes more time uh, to progress, but uh, it's progressing very well. At the enterprise level, uh, what do you think will be something that we're going to see from the blockchain world this year that will be, you know, that's going to move the, move the needle for a lot of enterprises? I think what will be coming by the end of the year is a lot of stable coins uh, issued by private, uh, private entities uh, all over the world and all over in Asia. It's a very, very hot topic. Out of these stable coins, uh, some of them will be internal stable coins within large organization. Some of them will be semi-public stable coins for, for SMEs and, and, and the general public to use. So that's, that's already a big piece. And on the top of this big piece, I expect to see some early movers in what I would call the institutional DeFi, institutional decentralized finance. There is a lot of uh, innovation happening in this space. It's a little bit of uh, sci-fi uh, for now, but uh, I can tell you firsthand, there is a lot of uh, very respected organizations uh, looking at this ecosystem, looking at what kind of innovation and in, uh, infrastructure is being built in, the, in decentralized finance and, and looking at how they could uh, essentially grab some of these open source smart contract and, and, and business models and, and, uh, and integrate them into the, uh, the renovated uh, blockchain-based infrastructure. So I would not be surprised to see some kind of internal DeFi uh, where a lot of the banks' operations will move to some kind of uh, autopilot uh, operations um, within, a, within a close context for the beginning. Uh, and this will, uh, this will bring a, a lot of value uh, it's still very early, but there is some people which are, which are always, uh, always on the ball and are actively exploring this topic. When I think DeFi, I think uh, difficult when it comes to KYC, AML, and these sorts of compliance-related issues. And those compliance issues exist for a good reason. Um, when you talk about institutional DeFi, uh, how do we, I guess, reconcile the obvious need for any kind of licensed institution to to have these identity measures in place and any kind of transaction versus what's sort of bubbled up from the retail world in, in DeFi? DeFi today is very experimental, uh, essentially not regulated. Uh, the path will be probably a path similar to what the internet was uh, and how it builds itself uh, along the years, very much, uh, very much wide at the beginning and getting much more structure step by step. Uh, and I think the way you can think of DeFi in a more uh, in a more uh, kind of regulated way and, and, and safe way uh, for both the practitioners and the, and the investors is thinking of uh, these business models, uh, but with essentially some within a closed uh, ecosystem uh, where you as a customer enter, you KYC yourself, uh, your fund are uh, AML, uh, and uh, instead of just dropping your, uh, your for, for example, your, your saving on the deposit account, this deposit account will be uh, on autopilot uh, within this uh, financial institution ecosystem or group of financial institution ecosystem where you get everything in check uh, and everything in, uh, in order, uh, but using decentralized finance uh, uh, type of mechanisms and business models. Okay, great. Uh, you, the book that we put together is called Block Kong and it's obviously focused on Hong Kong. Um, what do you think will be the, the next extension? Because now your own work is, is Asia-wide uh, or, or perhaps broader. So uh, you know, what, what do you want to do next? One thing I discover uh, working with you, uh, James, is uh, 
I think creativity is the last rampart against technology for us human people. So we really should uh, compete on creativity and, and trying to keep some of our time within our day to experiment new things. And, and probably when you look at the ecosystem of Hong Kong uh, on blockchain, and when you look at greater China, one topic which is very inspiring for me uh, is uh, the digital Silk Road, uh, which is, uh, which is uh, still being built. It's a, it's a very, very ambitious and, and very impactful project. And uh, if we could uh, expand our research and, uh, and, uh, and works uh, along this, uh, this new kind of corridor of the digital Silk Road, it would be fantastic. And if we can think of using a new kind of media, uh, why not uh, videos or movies or thinking of something else? This could be also something interesting, but uh, one, uh, one step at a time, the book has been already a lot of work and, uh, and uh, but it's always good to keep planning uh, for, uh, for your next thing. Sounds fascinating. And I'm looking forward to learning more about this as we go through 2021. Uh, Charles Dossi, thank you so much for your time and congrats to both of us for uh, the book. The book is available on all the best libraries uh, and books, bookstores in Hong Kong. I think Bookazine uh, will get quite a few of them. And uh, Jay, I own you a signed version uh, of the book. And I, you own me a signed version of the book as well. Absolutely. Okay, well, we'll make that happen. Okay, very good. Thanks for your time today, Charles. Thanks for having me. Cheers. Yeah.